to today's tribe. How was your day? Ask your neighbor, how was your day? Did it rain where you are? It did. Amazing. You know, having rain in March is not, not, not what we experience every day, but they call it climate change. Praise God. All right, um, before we go into what we'll be sharing today as uh, we've been Share, um, doing maybe there's someone a few of you here again that still have some proverbs in your local language that you want to share deep 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 those deep deeply uh, deep uh, proverbs that you have in your local language that you want to say it in your local language and you interpret to us and hopefully can be a blessing to us so is there anybody here today that has uh, one that has not been shared before Anybody? Okay, there's one person there. Anybody, anybody else so we can manage time? Okay, yes, sir, let's go. Hello. Good evening, church. Good evening. Um, it's said in my dialect, it goes like this. Which language is that, sorry? When I finish, I'll, I'll say. Okay, all right. Let me not miss. Okay. Right? What it means, this is the query language of River State. Okay. What it means is that no matter how, um, how fast the antelope runs, it can't run out from the bush to the, to the town. So the hunter says, if we don't meet on this side of the bush, we will meet on the other side of the bush. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Meaning, it does, there's nowhere for it to escape. We're still going to catch it, right? What goes around comes around. Amazing. Amazing. Anybody else? Are we out of Proverbs or we don't know Proverbs? Which one? Which one is it? Are you raising your hand there? There's a hand where? Okay. Tamlola. You people didn't live with Yagba. Um, this one says, So it shows that um, wherever the elderly Which people, language is that? Okay, it's Yoruba, obviously. Okay. Okay, so. <laughs> obviously, where, eh? It's the national language. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. um, I think in, I, I'm not sure, but I think it means that where, where um, the elderly ones are, there should be a bit to guide the younger ones on the right path. So um, wherever things are wrong, you'd be like, where are the elders to fix them or something like that? Yes, yeah. I mean, that's what it means. That, um, meaning that we can't have people that have experience hanging around us and we will still walk into the same challenge or the same problems that they've had before. It's, there's no wisdom in that. Right, so amazing. One more before we go. One more. Okay, you finally decide to repent. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This, this is Nedo language. Um, it says, I feel you, man. 
it means that you don't use wealth to eat salt. You don't say because you're now wealthy, then you begin to do um, things that are out of place. Eating salt is not proper. Mm. So you don't use wealth to eat salt. Mm. That's deep. <laughs> so you don't get so much, you don't get so wealthy that you begin to do things that are not normal. So no matter how wealthy you are, you can't begin to eat salt. It just doesn't make sense. Even if you can buy a shipload of salt. Amazing. Well done. Let's, let's put our hands together for all those that shared. Awesome. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 9. We've been learning on, we've been talking about wisdom. And today we'll be, we're on part 7. We'll be going through... Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 from beginning to the end. Proverbs chapter 9 from beginning to the end. So you can join me as I read. Uh, We can read it together, all right? Let one, two, go. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. The woman named Foley is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Our guests are in the depths of the grave. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Praise God. Like I said, we've been talking about the, uh, the, uh, the book of Proverbs and we've been looking t- directly at wisdom. So what jumps at me out of this scripture is, is, the, is, the, is the femininity, femininity of wisdom. The fact that wisdom is described in a feminine manner. And not only wisdom, if you scroll down to verse 17, folly is also described in a feminine manner. And I asked myself, so what, what are the attributes of women, for instance? What are the attributes of uh, the, the female gender? You know, I, I just wrote a few down there, uh, which you can write, and I, I, I mean, which you'll think can also, I mean, bring up some. It says, the female gender reproduces. 
the female gender reproduces. So what that means is that with wisdom, since wisdom is likened to a female, wisdom also has the ability to reproduce. But likewise, foolishness, folly, also is likened to, 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 to the female gender, which means also foolishness has the ability to reproduce, but it will not reproduce in us in the name of Jesus. What do women do when they talk about maybe a family, for instance? Women provide food. They provide food. And if, if you read the, the, the scriptures there, it's one of the first things that you said is in verse 2. He says, she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She also set her table, saying, everybody, come and eat. If you scroll down to verse 18, that's exactly the same thing that Foley also did. Foley also I said, come into my house. I have plenty of food. Come and eat. What does this mean? Meaning that wisdom has the ability to feed us. Wisdom has the ability to, to nourish us. And praise God. The third thing that I picked there that I, uh, that I think the feminine gender does is that the females also nurture. They nurture. They nurture us. They nurture anything that they put in, 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 their, in their care. You know, just while we were praying here, uh, um, uh, some kids were, when the service was, when we were doing praise and worship, some children were playing rough play just towards that corner. And while they were doing the rough play, I was looking at them like, what's wrong with these children? That was, that was my own reaction. But Pastor Lamide, because she's a woman, she saw them and went immediately to them just about the time she was getting there. One of them fell down a little bit roughly. I saw her rebuking them at the same time trying to clean and dust up the boy. Sorry, this and that. You know, that's the nature of women. Not the nature of... It doesn't come natural to us, guys. Am I speaking for myself or... It doesn't just come natural. So women, they, those are the kind of things that they do naturally. What we're learning today is that wisdom, because it's been described in a feminine manner, also has this ability. It has the ability to rebuke you and at the same time to soothe you when you have gone wrong. It doesn't just throw you away unnecessarily. Praise God. So, I mean, those are the three things I wrote here. I don't know. Does anybody else have anything that you feel is like a characteristic, something that women alone or the female gender alone does that can be associated to what wisdom also does? Anybody contributes? What you think that a woman does? Okay. There's the hand there. Anybody else? Okay. Let's have... Uh... Okay, Eddie. Good evening, sir. I think that women are... Persuasive. Persuasive. Yes, exactly. and I think wisdom was in the scripture persuasive. Come in with me. I also think that mm. women are good organizers and good planners. So they organize the home and they have a plan. So if you fall for the plan, you come into the house. And then I think that they are also strategic because um, they were calling from the height. So they went to a strategic place where they could. So I think women are strategic and I think wisdom is strategic. So. Amazing. <laughs> Let's put our hands together. Amazing. So women are strategic. Women are good organizers. Women are, what's the third one? Persuasive. And so is also wisdom. Wisdom is persuasive. Wisdom keeps knocking on your door. Keeps knocking and telling you this is the way to go. Walk in it. This is the way to go. Walk in it. 
women are persuasive. Uh, wisdom is persuasive. Women are persuasive. So those extra lines, they just put those there. And those are very, 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 very true. Wisdom is persuasive. And it is in our interest that when we hear, when we are, for instance, we come to tribe, we learn about wisdom, we need to take in what we learn and, and apply it until it begins to add value and make I mean, be, of, be of use in our lives. Women are great organizers. They can arrange a banquet like, like, like wisdom did and say, oh yeah, come, come and eat. Wisdom helps you to also organize your lives. When you are, so, when you are someone that is wise, you, you, it brings some form of organization. Wisdom brings organization into you. And, and as, we, as we learned, you know, remember when we were talking about uh, how to multiply, you first of all, um, you t- tell everybody to gather. To, uh, when, when, uh, during the miracle where Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he said, let them gather in 50s. That's organization. That's what wisdom does. That's what wisdom does. Very important. Thank you very much, Kaede. So, another thing that we learned from verse 2 and verse 17 about wisdom, which uh, the world at times is uh, making us not to want to benefit from, is that wisdom likes enjoyment. Praise God. Wisdom likes enjoyment, and so does folly. Wisdom likes enjoyment, and same with folly, foolishness. But the truth is that while wisdom likes enjoyment, wisdom likes enjoyment after it has worked. But for foolishness, foolishness likes enjoyment before it works. Praise the Lord. What, what do I mean? If you read verse 1 and 2, it says, wisdom has built a house. Built a house. That's a lot of work. She has set up its seven pillars. She has set up the seven columns of the house. That's a lot of work. And after all of that work, that's when she said, okay, prepare the meat, mix our wine, set the table, enjoyment starts after the work. But if you go to verse 17, what does Foley do instead? Foley, verse 13 starts out explaining what Foley is doing. She says, Foley is an unruly woman. She's simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, meaning the food she wants to serve, the drink she wants to serve, she didn't work for it. She stole it. Huge difference. Enjoyment is good. The world even tells us today that as Christians, that we, when, when you see Christians having a nice time, enjoying their life because of what God has, how God has blessed them or how God has, what God has, how God has favored them, the world begins to say, no, it's wrong. You shouldn't enjoy. No. You should enjoy after you have worked. When you are trying to enjoy your life before work, that's when there's a problem. Because you will be then behaving like folly. Praise the Lord. Folly perpetually wants to walk where he has not, perpetually wants to eat where he has not walked. There's a proverb that I shared, uh, I think, two or three weekends, uh, weeks ago. And I'll say it in Yoruba and I'll interpret the meaning now. It says, it's in Yoruba, it's a proverb in Yoruba. It says, 
Obefon Labata, O Yobeti, O Miloro, O Mukuni. What that means for those that don't speak Yoruba is that Efon. Efon is, a, is like a giant, a buffalo, exactly. A buffalo, a very hefty buffalo, very big, bigger than cow. You now get to the riverside and you see it there, dead. Then you bring out your knife and you start trying to slaughter it. The question is, do you think it died because it drank too much water? Someone killed it and put it there and the person is coming back. So don't cut, don't start feasting on what is not yours. That's what the, that's what the proverb means. And that's how folly works. Folly is always trying to hit or to reap where it has not sown. And that is so prevalent in today's world because, I mean, let, let me tie it to a, a, a major vice that I see going around in today's world, what they, what they call Yahoo, the, the Yahoo syndrome amongst our youths, where everybody simply feels that, oh, all I, I don't have, all I need is just sit on the internet, look for one MAGA, swindle, and make, make a, a life. You know, uh, or gambling. It's it's amazing now that I mean, when 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 we were when I was growing up, we had uh, in a very very few very few places, county locations. You know, all these slot machines where you go and do they call it kalo kalo. If your parents ever, well, if your parents were like my parents, if your parents ever find you there, you. They will beat you. <laughs> you will die. You will resurrect. <laughs> I mean, that was how I grew up. But guess what's happening nowadays? Almost every street has a betting shop. And there are probably even parents giving their children money to go and, go and try your luck. Maybe it's going to be your time. You know, all this one that you keep watching football every weekend. Go and make use of it. Go and at least make some money from it. And it's, it's in our face. Those of us that are football lovers, a lot of our clubs that we support, they are sponsored by the betting clubs, which means they are trying to tell us it is okay, it's acceptable. Gambling. That's another way to look at betting. And these are vices in the world today, which is similar to you not being the one that killed the buffalo and trying to bring out your, money, your knife to slaughter the buffalo. Praise the Lord. So much vices, so much vices all around today. I, I mean, I just gave two examples. I don't know that anybody else also has maybe common vices that is a challenge, that you feel is a challenge today that worries you. Ritual killings. All sorts of, uh, all sorts of gimmicks around it right now. I don't know. Anybody else, you have something you want to share around that that you feel is like, it's not normal, but the world is pushing it and making it appear like it's normal for us. Anybody? Praise God. So these, these kind of vices, there are things that are going on around in the world today that is built around the, 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 the concept of foolishness. Because it is all revolved around trying to make money where you have not worked. Trying to reap where you have not sown. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked 
incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Praise God. Now, this, a number of times for me uh, as a person, I've had incidences where I have had to maybe engage people that I know were engaged, uh, involved in these kind of vices. And those that, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough line, it's a difficult line to draw. But you see, there are some people that are involved in these vices and they, they, they are claiming it's because they don't have other things that they can do. Those kind of people, if they legitimately see some other things they can do, they leave it and they stop. But there are some that are doing it because they just love deception. Now, what the Bible is saying is that Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. I've seen scenarios where you're trying to talk to these people and they insult you and say, oh, God, mind your business. What's it concern you? We're liking it. We're enjoying it. And there are some people that say, I want to stop. Just help me. There are people involved in drugs. I mean, <laughs> there was a friend of mine that, um, some, a friend of mine, and, uh, you know, two or three weeks ago, pastor was talking about, uh, someone asked the question, the difference between sin and iniquity. And uh, the response was, sin is what you fall into. You, 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 it's a, something wrong that you do, but you don't do it often. Iniquity is something wrong that you do that is now rooted. You, you, you've done it so often that you now begin to enjoy it. You even pass it down to your generations. So there was this friend of mine that I, I was uh, having a chat with some time ago. And he was talking about how he enjoys fornication. And he was saying it so proudly and arrogantly. Like, ah, ah, my grandfather was a massive fornicator. My father was an excellent, me, I'm not falling short. And my son is already taking after me. He was saying it as in confidently and like with pride, like, with, you know, I don't know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know the difference between sin and iniquity, the way Pastor explained it that time. I would have probably just dropped it as a bombshell for him. Because that is no longer sin. That is now iniquity rooted in him. So, people like that, you don't even begin to share the word of God around fornication. He knows it is wrong, but he enjoys it. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Verse 7 says, mockers hate white, wise advice. That's someone that will mock. Because for him, he knows it is wrong, but he enjoys it. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. So you need to, for, for, uh, while, you're, while you're scanning or you, you need to... When you're scanning or you want to engage people, you need to first of all ascertain, are these people wise or are they mockers? Are these people wise or are they foolish? Social media, if you're in WhatsApp groups, you can understand what I'm saying, or maybe on Facebook. Facebook is the easiest place where anybody can insult anybody for whatever reasons without any form of apology or repentance. Ah! <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I, I, it, used to, it used to bother me. It used to bother me. Maybe when I'm in a WhatsApp group, someone posts a comment 
albeit right or wrong, the next thing is you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're a moron. It's as if they begin to look for big words. I usually would try and engage them, but after a while I realized it's just not worth it. And I'm learning now, mockers, whoever, I mean, whoever corrects a mocker, you're inviting insults. Leave him as a mocker. Unless you are sure that it's someone that can heed correction. Because the truth is that there are times where people just maybe emotional reactions. You know, uh, Pastor Roland shared uh, something this morning about someone, a, a story. Uh, uh, I'll just try and paraphrase. My, my phone is not here. I would have read it out exactly as it is. But I'm trying to paraphrase. What happened was there was a group chat, a WhatsApp group chat, and someone in the group um, made a comment and someone else responded to him and said, you're an idiot. First response inside of him was to attack. But he chose not to attack. Rather, he said, thank you, for ve- thank you very much for letting me become aware of this idiotic part of me. I will work on it. And that was his response. When he said that, every other person in the WhatsApp group went after the person that called someone an idiot, and by the time they were done, she was apologizing. Praise the Lord. Now, not only was she apologizing, based on that incident, they eventually became very good friends, and what the testimony at the end of it was that probably about one year after that incident, I think he was getting married or something, I can't remember the exact story now. One year after that incident, that person that called him an idiot, him and the husband gave him a wedding gift of almost a million naira or whatever. Now imagine if he had responded and said, okay, you call me an idiot, you must be stupid. Then the the exchange goes on. Where am I going in all of this? Mockers should be identified and left. Mockers hate wise advice. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incures abuse. Now, for those that continue and choose to remain foolish, verse 12 explains what's going to happen to them. It says, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. But if you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. A lot of times when people are in that gang or their group, maybe it's a Yahoo gang or a, a gambling gang, you always usually will be in a gang thinking you have support of your friends. But the Bible is saying that you alone will suffer. Meaning when the suffering is coming, it's coming at you alone as an individual. That's when you know that you're alone. I pray I'm talking to somebody today that if you are in this kind of vices, you will repent and stop today in the name of Jesus. So verse 1. Um, since since we, have, we have a foundational understanding now that wisdom is okay with enjoyment, but after work, fully wants to enjoy before work. So the work in verse 1, wisdom has built a house. She says he has set up its seven pillars. So I was, I, I was now scanning through. I said, okay, where are these seven pillars that she set up? What is these seven pillars of wisdom that she has set up? And I found the answer in, verse, in chapter 8. 
chapter 8. Before we go into that chapter 8, you know, when we talk about pillars, because we have to pay attention to the way the Bible describes it, it talks about the, the pillars. The, what, what would represent a pillar? If you look at those days, the way they built houses, if you've seen all those ancient Roman houses, the ones that are almost falling, you always notice that every one of them, even if the house has fallen, the last thing standing is usually those pillars. It's because these are usually the structure, the frame of the house, the strongest part of the house. So wisdom is saying that she has built her house and she has set up seven pillars. What it means is that these pillars are like the foundation, the things that are holding wisdom. And if we can get these pillars right, then we will be wise. We will have wisdom and it will be, it will be foundational for us. Wisdom has been symbolized as a woman who has built a permanent house for itself. Permanent house because these structures are not made from materials that can easily fall apart. These structures, these pillars we're talking about, I mean, if you look at the way they build houses in those days, they are made from concrete, from rocks that last for a long time. So this symbolizes that it is a permanent house that has been built. Now, the Bible also makes us understand in the same verse 1 that there are seven pillars. Seven represents the number of, for perfection, meaning these are permanent, perfect structures built for wisdom. And there are seven. So, Proverbs 8, 12 to 14 says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and direction. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine, and I have understanding and power. In these scriptures, we find the seven pillars. The first pillar, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. The first pillar of wisdom is prudence. Prudence. So, what does prudence mean or what does prudence represent? The dictionary, Cambridge Dictionary says that prudence is the state, prudence is the state of being careful in the way you make decisions or spend money so that you can avoid unnecessary risks. Verse 12 says, wisdom dwells together with prudence. It dwells together with prudence. So they are in partnership. So whoever you see that is, that is wise must be prudent. Must be prudent. Prudent in his actions, uh, today, prudent in his decision making to avoid unnecessary risk and unnecessary danger in future. So, uh, people that are wise are prudent and they are wise in handling practical matters. They exercise good judgment or common sense. They, they are able, I mean, prudency allows them to be able to, to know what will happen if they behave in a particular way. 
they know a, a prudent man is, will, will pay attention to what he does, not only for himself alone, but for the implications, the things that may come from it. So, for instance, if he knows that an action can lead someone else to sin, because he's prudent, he stays away from it. Not necessarily because it is sin for him, but because he knows that it may lead someone else to sin. That's prudency. A prudent person may, 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 may like the proverb that uh, was shared earlier, that because you have money, doesn't mean you should go and now say, okay, I can afford 10 bags of salt. It's salt that I'm having for dinner today. There's no sense in that. Praise the Lord. So people, who, people with prudence have self-restraint and sound judgment as part of their character. The Bible even says that we should be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. And this gives us the idea of the meaning of prudence. Praise Lord. So prudence is the first pillar of wisdom. The second pillar of wisdom is also in verse 12. And it says, I possess knowledge and discretion. I possess knowledge and discretion. The word discretion in Hebrew is called, is, 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 is called mezima. And this word means the, the ability or the power to form plans, the power of forming plans. That's the meaning of the word mezima, discretion. This means that it is wiseness to devise, to imagine, to plot, or to think up something. Now, this can swing in both ways. You can, I mean, there are people that are perpetually thinking or, and concocting and planning evil. But it is also very possible to be thinking and concocting and planning good. So when you, when, when you are using your discretion, your mezima, to plan good... The English word for that is what they call sagacious. So sagacious means possessing or showing sound judgment and keen perception. Someone who can reason and plan the best direction to head in. Someone that can reason and plan and say, okay, this is the best direction to go. Knowledge and discretion. Now, when you are planning and thinking, there has to be, you have to be careful to know that there is a difference between faith and blind optimism. Between, there is a dif- huge, huge difference between faith and, and blind optimism. God does not want us to, to put ourselves in dangerous situations and then expect him to come and rescue us. So, for instance, you, you, you let's say... You are running late for a meeting on the mainland, for, for example. Uh, you're, you're running behind schedule. Then you say, okay, um, this is the plan. I'm going to get on the expressway, and I'm going to drive at 200 kilometers per hour so that I can make my meeting. That sounds like a plan, right? But that's not a good plan. Because not only can you... I mean, cause an accident for yourself. You can also cause trouble on the road. You can get arrested, and, and that would even 
make you, I mean, even get, maybe not even get there at all to where you're going. So you have to be able to apply discretion. There was a video I saw some time ago about, I, mean, I don't know whether it was a joke or maybe it happened in real life. But the, in the video, there was a man standing in front of an ATM and speaking in tongues to the ATM that the ATM should provide money. I don't know. Do you guys see the video? Anybody? It's on social media. It's on YouTube. I saw it. It's, it's, it, it sounds like, but some people, that's how funny their faith is. That's blind optimism. There's no discretion in that. God wants us to be able to draw the line between faith and blind optimism. A number of times in the Bible, God shows us how he can tell us to even do things that may not make sense, but he is the one that instructs us and says, do this. An example is Noah. When Noah was instructed to start building the, the ark, there, had ne- there was never a need for something like that. There was, uh, they, they had not even, uh, they had never experienced a flood. They had never seen that kind of volume of rain or water before. So it was, when he was building it, people were laughing and jeering at him. I said, well, look at this foolish man. What's he doing, this giant boat, to achieve what, to do what? He says it's going to rain. He says water is coming from where? They were laughing at him. But because he was instructed by God, that was a different matter. That was him walking based on the faith of what he has heard. Praise God. David applied faith when he was running away from Saul. Because if he had stayed, Saul would have taken him out. Here he was sitting, playing the instruments to calm Saul down. And he took a spare and wanted to <laughs> pin him to the wall. He had to run. That was him using his discretion. That was him using his discretion. The, we, 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 we have to be, to, to be wise. We, we, we have to be wise. And knowledge and discretion is one, is the second pillar of wisdom. Praise the Lord. The third pillar we'll be talking about today is the fear of God. The fear of God. It says, I wisdom dwell together with prudence. That's number one. I possess knowledge and discretion. That's number two. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse switch. True wisdom is firmly grounded in the fear of God and is free of the faults of worldly wisdom. The fear of the Lord, uh, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the no- of knowledge. So you cannot even begin to talk about being wise if you don't have fear of God. And when we're talking about fear, we don't mean the kind of fear that will make you to run away from God. We don't mean the kind of fear that will make you to, um, the kind of fear that will make you to avoid last mile on the road. 
We're talking about a reverential fear. The kind of fear that, acknowledge, that makes you to know that your, your God is, can be a consuming fire, but can at the same time be the, the, a good shepherd that takes care of you, that nurtures you, that loves you, that cares for you. You know, if you, um, when I'm playing with my kids, especially the, my, my, my youngest boy, he's just two years, two years plus right now. When I'm playing with him, there are times, based on the tone of my voice, there are times when I tell him to do something, he looks at me like this, like, you ain't serious, ain't talking to me, because he knows we're playing. But there are times, based on the tone of my voice, if I just say, ha, huh? it is attention. Praise God. Now, does he fear me to run away from me? No. But he fears me reverentially to respect and know that when it's play, it's play. When it's serious, it's serious. And that's the kind of fear God expects us to also. Because God is a loving father. The fear of God is the foundation, is the beginning, is the starting point of knowledge. If you don't even have respect and fear for God, you have not even started on the journey to become wise. Praise God. To fear God means that we must be committed to God's purpose. This means serving, worshipping, obeying, and loving him. It also means turning from evil and hating evil. Praise God. When you fear God, Psalm 84 says, no, Psalm 84 verse 11, it says, no good thing will the Lord withhold from them that fear him. Isn't that comforting? No good thing will the Lord withhold from them that fear him. That's the third pillar of wisdom we'll be talking about today. Praise God. The fourth one is counsel. The fourth one is counsel. Proverbs chapter 8, 12 to 14 says, Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. Counsel. Counsel is the fourth pillar. Counsel means to give good advice, to give wise guidance. It also means to listen to counsel. So it's both ways. To be wise, remember we talked earlier about the characteristics of wisdom and the fact that it is feminine in nature, one of the characteristics that it can multiply, because it can multiply means it can increase. So no matter how wise you think you are today, the truth is that you can actually increase in wisdom. And how do you increase in wisdom? It's not, alone, it's not enough for you to just be giving counsel out to others. You also must be able to receive counsel. You also must be able to receive counsel. To depend, on, to depend on one's judgment, to depend on one's own judgment, even in private matters, is the height of foolishness. To depend only on one's own judgment, even in private matters, is the height of foolishness. Even the wisest and godliest have made errors in discerning things. We must seek counsel continuously. Two characters in the Bible that would say, I mean, they're wise, David and Solomon. 
They, they were both specially endowed with wisdom. Yet, despite having their own wisdom, they still sought the advice of wise counselors consistently. We know of Ahitophel and Ushai. These were the counselors of David. 1 Kings chapter 12, 6-9. 1 Kings 12, 6-9. Talks about the old men that stood before Solomon. If, I mean, 1 Kings 12, 6-9. We can read that later. Talks about the old men. You know, this, was, this happened to Jeroboam, the son of Solomon, when he became king. The children of Israel came and he, 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 he called these elders that used to appear before Solomon. And he asked for their advice. What should I tell these people? And they gave him counsel. And the Bible says that he rejected their counsel. And of course... That was the beginning of the, 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 the deterioration of the kingdom under him. Praise God. So Solomon, that God gave all the wisdom, was still wise enough to have elders around him that he was consistently seeking to get wisdom, consistently talking to. Anytime he has a matter, he will bring it before them. What do you think? What do you think? We are what? Better together. None of us is as better, is as good as all of us. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us is as wise as all of us. Wisdom comes in the funniest of places. A friend of mine was sharing a story some time ago about one evening he came back from work and he was hungry and he went to the kitchen as a bachelor to cook and he got there, put on the gas and the gas was empty around 9, 10 o'clock at night. He was not married, so no other option. He was, you know, bachelors, Indomie, two minutes food. He was hungry. So he was there sitting, upset. And one young boy just said, Uncle, what's wrong? He told him, he said, the gas is empty and I need to cook. And the boy just looked at him and said, eh, so turn the gas to the side now if it's empty. And he looked at him. And he did. And lo and behold, he got enough gas to cook his food that night. Just by tilting the cylinder to the side. I've never tried it, so I don't know if it's true. But that's what he said he did. And it worked for him. It works. Oh, someone is confirming there that it works. Another person is confirming. Wisdom from a baby boy made sure that he did not go hungry that night. So we need to be open to counsel from different directions, not necessarily just believing that you know all things. Praise God. Proverbs 19, 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be counted among the wise. In the end, you will be counted among the wise. The KJV version of that same scripture says, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. May you be wise the rest of your days in the name of Jesus. Fifth pillar, sound wisdom. Fifth pillar says the sound wisdom. Sound wisdom generally means wise behavior. There's a Hebrew word also for it. It means to shia, which means in general sense, wise behavior. 
it is talking about practical wisdom, practicing wisdom now. Proverbs 1, verse 3, says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined, disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right, just, and fair. So sound wisdom is about wise behavior. So what is wise behavior now? Doing what is right, just, and fair. Doing what is right, just, and fair. Doing what is right leads to, be, to live righteously, right, a righteous life. That is to act or to live in an upright manner. To do what is just is the ability to come to a proper understanding of things through observation. To do what, is, what you would, I mean, put yourself in that position and ask yourself, what is the right thing to do here? And then what is fair? What is fair to all? When you are able to do this, then you just consider that you have sound wisdom. Praise the Lord. Okay, time. The sixth pillar. The sixth pillar is understanding. Someone that is wise must have understanding. What do I mean by understanding? This is broken down into three. The first level of understanding is to know that all wisdom, all sources of wisdom, first and foremost, comes from God. All wisdom. To know that the source of wisdom is God. Of all wisdom is God. Whether you are a medical, science, a medical doctor or you are an engineer, all wisdom comes from God. Whether you are a robotic engineer or you are an, uh, engineer or you are an astronaut, all wisdom comes from God. All. The second thing you need to do to be a person of understanding is that you must receive instruction from that source we call the Bible. Because the Bible is the embodiment of all knowledge. This would require, would require us to have intense study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. When, you're, when you study the Bible and you show yourself approved, then you go into your field, your field of area, and also study to show yourself approved. If you're an engineer, you study to show yourself approved. For your lawyer, you study to show yourself approved. You are a doctor. You are a pharmacist. You, you are, you are a, whatever it is you are, you study to show yourself approved. Become the authority in your industry. Become the reference point. Praise the Lord. Long, long, long time ago, pastor shared something with me when I was still in paid employment. And it actually helped me. And it used to... It used to, I mean, it helped me in my career. You know, he said, he said to me then, I think we were still in house fellowship, probably even before the church started. He said that, um, how did he put it now? He said, if he, as a boss, if he's working for anybody, if he has a boss, 
and his boss knows more than him in the area of his own competence, then he should be fired. That it is his job to make sure that he knows more than his, more than his boss consistently. That makes him continuously be relevant. And you know, when I took that, I took that understanding, it helped me also in my career because anything I'm trying to do, I ensure that my ogre, I make sure I know, I mean, you know when you have a boss, your boss probably is taking, maybe responsible for six, seven of you, eight of you, I don't know what, it depends on your organizational structure. But each of you have different roles and responsibility. Your area, whatever has been assigned to you, you must know more than it, more than your boss on it. That's the only way you can become relevant. When you want to fire people, they will not even consider you because the guy knows it. if he fires you, who's going to do that job? He can't do it. You can't lose your job. Praise God. So understanding is very important. Understanding is very important. And final, finally, the last pillar. The last pillar of wisdom is power. 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 Now, this is the tricky side because power is mainly determined by God. Power is from God. Because you can know all these things we talked about. You can be prudent. You can have knowledge and discretion. You can have fear of the Lord. You have counsel and sound judgment. If God does not give you the power to be able to use all these things, then you're not, you're not fulfilling you're not fulfilling destiny. Praise God. So you need power from on high. You need power from God. You need power to be able to position you in the right place to be able to apply all these pillars. You need power. Ecclesiastes 7, 19 says, Wisdom makes one man, wisdom makes one man more powerful than ten rulers in a city. Power from on high is the reason why Abraham will be in a city and kings will be jealous in him. You know, some people jealous me. That's power. And you can only get that when you are connected to God. If you're not connected, you can't get the power. If you're not connected, God says he will give wisdom generously to all who ask. But you need the power. You need the power. So on that note, if you are here today, you know you don't have a relationship with God. Let's all just bow our heads very briefly. You know you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God. So all these things we're talking about, the pillars of wisdom, for you, it's no, I mean, you have not even started the foundation, not to talk of the pillars. You have an opportunity. Just raise up your hand wherever you are. And you'll be able to accept Christ into your life. Just raise up your hand if you want to give your life to Christ. You don't know God. Or maybe you, you used to be born again, but you backslid and you have the opportunity. You want to retrace your steps today. Just raise up Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends.
friend. God bless you.